Thank you for listening and subscribing to the Anchor Church Podcast. It is our desire at the Anchor to provide a place for you to know God, find freedom, discover your God-given purpose, and ultimately make a difference in the world around you. Each week, the Anchor Podcast features Sunday sermons. To hear this live and before subscribers do, join us in Rockport, Maine on Sunday mornings at 10 for worship and before that at 845 for prayer service. You can follow along in this podcast episode and read the sermon notes on our website by visiting theanchor.me. Now, let's get into the Word. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity just to uh, be able to uh, share the gospel, God, with Cam and Candace and Josiah. Lord, I thank you for just how special they are to me, and I thank you for this opportunity. Lord, just all of us in this room, we just open up our hearts. God, just receive from you and what you would want to say to us today. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen, amen. Well, listen, this morning we're going to start off with a simple thought. I'm just going to kind of uh, give you a thought, set the course, then pass the stick to Josiah and uh, let these guys bring it and do what they do best. So here's the thought we're going to start off with. Let's go to the first one. Yep, behind every no from God, he has a greater yes. Behind every no from God, he has a greater yes. Let me explain that. Uh, When God says no to selfishness, he is actually saying yes to serving. When he says no to isolation, he is actually saying yes to community. When he says no to greed, he is actually saying yes to generosity. When he says no to hate, he is saying yes to love. When he is saying no to fear, he is actually saying yes to faith. See, is that true? See, in my opinion, so often in the church, we spend so much time focusing on the no's that we give little to no attention on actually focusing on the yeses of God. Amen? So listen, let me kind of show you a verse here. I actually read this probably about, I don't know, probably four months ago, and it just grabbed me, and and I've been waiting for a moment to share it. But here's the kind of the context I'm talking about. It says this in Romans 6.11. It says, so you also should consider yourself to be dead to the power of sin. So often in the church, especially if you're in a legalistic church, they stop right there. Right? And they just talk about how you got to be dead, uh, basically to sin. And you got to don't do this, don't do that, don't do this, don't do that. And they slam rules and regulation down your throat. And they forget about the other half of the gospel. We got to remember the full gospel, right? And it goes on and says this. It says, so also you should consider yourself alive. Somebody say alive. Alive to God through Christ Jesus. You see, it's there in that alive to God through Christ Jesus where the many of of the yeses of God, uh, where they dwell. It's where they're at. Amen? So listen, one of the main things I want us to grab a hold of today is that God's just not offering you as his kids. He's not just offering you a bunch of no's. He's actually offering you a, a whole bunch of yeses. And in those yeses, that's where the life of God's at. That's where the fulfillment of God's at. But, but we got to basically turn our hearts and do this. That obviously there's that side that we say no to these unhealthy spiritual practices. We all get that, and we should understand that, right? But God is wanting to say yes to the healthy ones. And so the reason is is this. is because when we begin to say yes to what God says yes to, we begin to not only get in agreement with him, but we also position ourselves uh, basically to receive the promises of God. And, you know, I think so many people, when we talk about the promise of God, Quite a bit here, but I, I think what's so unique about this is when uh, we think about the promises of God, so often we think, well, you know, Pastor, isn't because of what Jesus did for us, because of his sacrifice, it isn't, it, you know, am I not already positioned uh, to receive all of God's promises? The answer to that question is yes, and it's also no. Okay? It's yes and it's no. And let me explain. Uh, the Bible says that there's over 3,000 promises of God. In other words, there's 3,000 things that God wants to guarantee for your life. That's pretty cool, right? And, and, but a portion of those are what we call uh, the unconditional promises of God. One of those is the love of God. That loves, God says, you know what, no matter what you do, I'm going to love you. That's good news, right? But on the other side, there's these conditional promises, and that's where, that's where God simply says this. He says, if you do this, then I will do that. And so those promises there, they actually hinge upon our actions. And a lot of times, once again, when we're in the church and all we want to focus, is on, focus on the no's and we never step into the yes's, uh, we, 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 never open, we never open those promises up in our lives. Is that true? 
So it's these conditional promises basically that cover the areas really where God wants to bless us. It's things like this. It's joy. It's peace. It's love. It's, it's basically that he wants to bless our finances, that he wants to give us success, and all those things we want more of. But yet it's those things that many Christians, if you, if you go to them, and this is going to sound strong, but so many times these Christians, you go to them and you look at their life and you go, my God, I wouldn't want that. Right, And people are so turned off by, by who they are and what they do. And the reason is, is because those kinds of people just focus on the no's. Right? When you get around a believer that focuses on the yes and, the, and they see that they're alive in Christ, you want what they have. Let me give you two verses here that show you the conditional promises. Joshua 1.8. We'll throw it on the screen. It says this. It says, this book of the law. It's talking about this right here. Your Bible. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything according to all that is written in it. Sorry, I went another translation on you right there midstream. So watch this, though. It says, for, what's the next word? Somebody say, then. For then, if you do this, hinge, then you will make yourself prosperous. Then you will have success. Are y'all seeing that? Let me give you another one here. Malachi 3, 8, verses 11. 8 through 11. I can't talk. It says this. It says, uh, will a man rob God? Let me maybe stop here. Is there anybody in this room that says this? That says, man, I don't want to be successful and I don't want to be prosperous. Is there anybody in this room that says, man, I want my finances to be in shambles? Right? But, but many Christians, their finances are in shambles. Right? And they're not successful and they're not prosperous. And, and once again, why? Because they focus on the no, but when we turn and we do this, we read the Bible, it says, Will a man rob God, yet you have robbed me? It says, But you say, In what ways have you robbed me? We robbed you. I can read. In tithes and offerings. It says in verse 9, You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Go to the next one. It says, bring all the tithes to the storehouse. The storehouse is the church. It's the place you call home. It says, that there may be food in my house, and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. Once again, if you do this, here's what I will do. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessings that there will be no room, not enough room, enough to receive it. I'm sorry, I keep going different translation. It says, and I will rebuke the devourer. Do you get that? Let me stop right there. Do you understand that this is the only place in the word of God that God says, if you do this, I will rebuke the devil for your sake. There is no other place in the Bible. Yes, but what happens is, is because we focus on, on uh, we don't focus on the yes and we get all caught up in our emotions. Guess what? The devil is eating our lunch and our finances because we don't do it God's way. Right? It says, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sake, so that he will not destroy the fruit of the ground. It says, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you uh, in the field, says the Lord of hosts. Is there anything else? That's it. That's a pretty good promise, right? Yes? Y'all aren't sure. Okay. Listen, it's, once again, it's, it's here that I want you to see, if you can imagine, that you're standing in front of a door, and that door is unlocked. You're just standing there. But the thing is, is with these conditional promises, if we focus on the yes, is actually when we reach out and grab the door and we turn it and we open up all those promises and all those blessings in our life. Once again, if we begin to say yes to what God says yes to, life will be a whole lot better, right? right. So here's the transition statement I want to make and I'm going to pass the stick is this, is when we open the door to God's conditional promises, that's when we say yes to his greater yeses. Pretty simple. In fact, I'm going to say this. I'm going to say it at the end. I, I tell you guys all the time, and all we're doing is reiterating it this morning. But, but it, it's this simple fact in the yeses of God. It's when, we, it's when we do it God's way, we get God's results. And when we do it our way, we get our results. And, and listen, if you've ever been people, a person that said, okay, basically that you walked with God for a while, and then you said, nope, and you backslid and you started doing your way, you'll know there's a huge difference, right? We want to be people that say, God, I want to do it your way. I'm not going to argue with you. I'm going to obey, and I'm going to say yes to what you say yes to. I'm going to be alive in you, and I'm going to let you open up, right, the winds of heaven in my life and pour out everything that you have for me. Amen? Awesome. Um, Well, I wanted to kind of start. um, I think we have it in like three different sections, and um, this first one is saying yes to community. Uh, so I kind of wanted to start with a thought and then a scripture. Uh, the thought is that we're called to follow Jesus for ourselves, but we're not called to follow Jesus by ourselves. And um, 
If you're writing down, taking notes, we're called to follow Jesus for ourselves, but we're never called to follow Jesus by ourselves. Something that you never see in scripture is people walking alone. So the scripture, kind of wanted to start and then we'll, we'll dive in, um, is Acts chapter 2, uh, 42 through 47, and it's in the Passion Translation, so it might be a little different. Um, but it says, every believer was faithfully devoted to following the teachings of the apostles, Their hearts were mutually linked to one another, sharing communion and coming together regularly for prayer. A deep sense of holy awe swept over everyone, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. All the believers were in fellowship as one body, and they shared with one another whatever they had. Out of generosity, they even sold their assets to distribute the proceeds to those who were in need among them. Daily, they met together in the temple courts and in one another's homes to celebrate communion. They shared meals together with joyful hearts and tender humility. They were continually filled with praises to God, enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord kept adding to their number daily those who were coming to life. So this is like the scripture that when people are talking about community, because like for a while, like community is like that hype word, you know, in church. And like everybody's pursuing community. How do we do community? Like all the questions, conferences and all that stuff. Because it's something, I mean, at the end of the day, it's something that I think all of us long for is, is relationship. But this is a scripture that most people use because it gives a picture of, of God's design for the church. And it gives a wonderful picture of, of community and how it started out. You know, even, even for me, when I went on this journey of like, Lord, what is this all about? And I was like, oh, house church, because they said they gathered in homes. And like, we need to do house church and never, you know, gather on Sundays. And, you know, that's not wrong. That's not right, because as said, you know, they went from the temple and the homes. And so I kind of went on this journey of like, no Sunday mornings, every house church is the way to go. And, you know, like, no, that's not it. So as I'm talking today, just want you to know, like, that's not what I'm communicating. We're supposed to celebrate both, especially the gathering together in Sunday morning and kind of emphasizing what God had in mind with this. And so across the country, especially in our Western culture, we've kind of painted this picture of what church is, and basically saying we we equate church to Sunday morning. So we equate it to this gathering here. For some of us, it's once a week, others twice a week, others, I mean, uh, twice a month, others once a month, and some of us, you know, when I feel like it, you know, Christmas and Easter. And so we associate our Christian walk and the church with this gathering. And what happens is, when the gathering is centered around an event, it's very easy for this to become a self-centered church. And we're pursuing a self-centered perspective or picture on what church is. So, for instance, you know, we, we see a lot of this all the time where, you know, you come in, I'm coming in to get my word, I'm coming in to experience worship, I'm coming in to experience the presence of God for me because I really need a pick-me-up for this week. You know, I'm coming in because I really want to hear the word or I've got needs that, you know, I need met or whatever. And so, and so we kind of centered around and we come to church on this, you know, on this weekly basis or monthly basis just to receive, right? And so, a lot of times what we see is, is when those needs aren't being met or maybe the worship or whatever is, you know, is, is not what we prefer, it's not what we like. A lot of times we see, you know, we see it happen all the time is people, they just leave, you know, they're gone. And uh, the, the perspective is that church is, you know, it's the tradition, it's just the thing that we do, it's the thing that I brought up in, it's, you know, whatever the case is. And it, and it equates to basically the church coming on Sunday morning is the epitome of our Christian walk, meaning as long as I have that, I'm good. As long as I come here on Sunday morning, as long as I sit through and receive and, you know, even take notes, which is awesome, you know, but it kind of stops there for so many of us throughout the country because it's this picture of Sunday morning equals church, church equals Jesus. As long as I have that, then I have what I need. And the problem with that is it's very easy to be detached, meaning especially like for those of us, for those of us that have families, like kids, you know, we're, we got our little tribe, we got our little crew, like we're good. You know, if you're married or if you got a girlfriend or a fiance, it's like me and me and my wife, me and my bae, you know, we're, we're good. It's us against the world, you know what I mean? Like it's just, 
a lot of times we get into that mindset where it's like, I've got you, you've got me, we don't need anybody else. So, you know, let's kind of get this thing out of the way. Or we have friends outside of the church, and there's nothing wrong with having friends outside of the church. But a lot of times when church is just the event that we do, it becomes more and more um, easy to simply detach ourselves from what God has planned for us and what he has designed for the church to be a part of. So all throughout scripture, we see from the beginning in the Trinity, when they said, um, you know, let us make man in our image. God, from the start, he was painting this picture of community. He was painting this picture of we're doing this together, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, saying, let us make man in our image. Let's do this together. Let's pour into this earth. Let's pour into man. Let's create male and female. Let's give them the call to create a family, right? Be fruitful and multiply. So from the start, God has created the picture that we're called to be together. We're called to walk life together. And then in the New Testament, you see um, over and over again, encourage one another, pray for one another, um, comfort one another, celebrate with one another, even mourn with one another. But it's this whole picture of, again, we are called to follow Jesus for ourselves, but we're never called to follow Jesus by ourselves. And it's this understanding that Jesus, part of his purpose in coming was to bring redemption in every area of our life. So it's, it's, a, it's a picture of God restoring what his original intent in the garden of creation and male and female and family God is continually calling us and restoring what was lost through sin, right? So, so we have this picture of Jesus restoring and redeeming. And so the thought is understanding that when we said yes to Jesus, because all of us in this room, more or less, I mean, I don't know, this is my first time. So maybe if you, this is your first time here, um, you haven't said yes to Jesus yet. But for those who have said yes to Jesus, you are saying yes to that community. You're saying yes to family. Saying no to community, like he was saying, saying, um, you know, saying yes to isolation, but saying no to community, saying no to family, is really saying no to part of God's design for our plan, uh, God's, God's plan for our life, part of his design. And so this looks like this picture of family and, and, and community, it's a picture of mutual trust. Mutual accountability, vulnerability, where we get a chance to really have those deep, intimate relationships that I believe some of us are really longing for. Some of us don't carry their way. Some of us are longing for them, and we don't know where to start. But we're longing for this place of, of, of being able to be open with, another, with one another, being able to be vulnerable with one another, being able to have somebody with you along the journey of life and pursuing Christ together. And this is the picture that God has given us in Scripture. And, you know, at the end of the day, like, for a lot of us, um, like, it's tough. Um, I know that many of us in, in different scenarios, like, we've been hurt, right? Like, there's been people that have hurt us along the journey of life. We've gotten too close, backstab, you know, get too close, you know, parade our stuff out to everybody else they meet, you know. And we have these instances where... Um, We take steps of trust, we take steps of vulnerability, we take steps of openness, somebody abuses that, and now I'm closed off again. Or, um, you know, shame, or, or all these different things, like, like not wanting people to, to see the, the real me, you know, or see my stuff. If they get too close, they're going to see my junk, they're, they're going to know that, you know, me lifting my hands on Sunday morning is a joke because it's not real because of the way that I'm living. And we have all these excuses that keep us from entering into God's promise and God's design for our life. And so, understanding that, like, there's a lot of excuses and a lot of things, even being introverted. So, I'm, my personality is like an introverted type. I was the weird kid. I was a very awkward kid growing up. Um, stayed in my room a lot and just like didn't really talk to a whole lot of people. Um, I was just very awkward. Um, I didn't really even want to be around people. Just a weird kid. And so over the years, though, as I've begun to grow an understanding of what God's called me to, we've kind of traded, because she's the extrovert, so we kind of traded places. So like, um, so more and more like I'm the one that's saying like, hey, let's have so-and-so over, or, you know, let's do this, or let's do that, let's go out here, let's have this group of people over, whatever it is, and God's been realizing and showing me more and more, like, 
even the personality, because we like to label ourselves and like, I'm an IS, I don't know if anybody's done like the Meyer Briggs stuff, but like, I'm an ISFJ. And a lot of times we can take even the personalities that God's given us and use it as an excuse to be like, well, no, 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 I'm, I'm introverted, so I'm not going to really pursue those relationships because I don't really want to get to know people. You know, whatever the case is, I'm, uh, the point is we make so many different excuses to avoid community, so many excuses to avoid family. And so um, I wanted to skip to another scripture really quick and kind of, um, as he was saying, when we say um, no to something, that there's another promise um, that's open, and it's Psalms 133, starting in verse 1, just 1 through 3. It says, How truly wonderful and delightful to see brothers and sisters living together in sweet unity. It's as precious as the sacred scented oil flowing from the head of the high priest Aaron, and it kind of goes on and on. Um, you can kind of read through that. I want to skip to, just for time, I want to skip to the bottom. Um, just describes how awesome it is. And it says, For from this realm of sweet harmony, sweet unity, God will release his eternal blessing, the promise of life forever. So how truly wonderful and delightful to see brothers and sisters living in unity. For from this realm of sweet harmony, God will release his eternal blessing, the promise of life forever. So kind of painting that picture, the promise of life started from a place of family in that scripture, right? Because brothers and sisters, that's, that's family. Uh, you can't avoid the fact that brothers and sisters are family. And so, understanding that we are a part of the family of God, we're brothers and sisters of Christ. And this promise, the promise of life forever, the promise of his eternal blessing, it starts from that place of family. And knowing that you can't have the unity that is said in that scripture if you're not a part of the family or community or a common unity. And I kind of wanted to go a little bit of a, of a practical approach real quick as far as just a just kind of a starting point for a lot of us, um, finding that God always has starting points, but there's never, there's not a whole lot of ending, meaning we're constantly growing in our understanding of, of what he's called us to and what that looks like for our life. But I wanted to kind of give a starting point specifically for, for this church. So community, obviously a common unity. So, so most communities are tied together by something, right? There's, um, there's different communities that we see or groups of people. And a lot of times there's like a common interest or a, or a common theme. Some are negative, some are positive that draws those people together. And so for us, obviously, Jesus, like Jesus is the answer, right? Everything, you know, pastors, kids growing up, the answer to every question is always Jesus, you know, two plus two, Jesus. Um, so that's all, like, if you got that answer, like, you know, there's a portion of that that's kind of right somewhere because he's always the answer. But for this, obviously, the main thing that draws us together is Christ. Paul talks about that. You know, there's no slave or free, no male or female. There's, there's, we're all one in Christ. But kind of in a practical sense of a starting point of, you know, what does it look like to pursue community, to pursue family together, to be intentional and being a part of the common unity that's drawing us together and moving forward in that is saying that I, someone who's a part of this community at Anchor Church, is committing to knowing God, finding freedom, discovering your purpose, making a difference. Um, I don't know, I'm, I'm guessing you've heard those a few times um, here. But a part of that is, is embracing that. Um, as a starting point for many of us. It's embracing the common vision or, or the purpose of, man, why are we gathering? Why are we, why are we coming here? It's that question we ask. Why, why do we come here? Why am I a part of this church? Why has God sent me here? Why am I coming every week? Why am I coming every month? And it's from this place of family where the promise of blessing flows. And so when you say no to isolation, you're opening a door of eternal blessing in your life, as that scripture says. But here's the thing is that, it's not just for you. And it's the beauty of community and family is it's no longer about you. It's about us. It's about each other. And when we step into that, as we go back, um, I'm going to flip back to, we'll scroll back um, on my phone, but I'm going to scroll back to Acts chapter 2 at the end. It says, and the Lord kept adding to their number daily those who were coming to life. And at the end of Psalms 133, it says, From this realm of sweet harmony, God will release his eternal blessing, the promise of life forever. And so knowing that, as you make a personal decision of saying, you know, 
I'm not going to settle for just coming on Sunday and getting what I need, but I'm going to step into a place of pursuing relationship, pursuing family and community with the people around me. Not only does that open up a door of eternal blessing and life for you, but it begins to open up a door of eternal blessing and life for those that are going to come in this, into this community. Because in Acts, it says, as that picture of community, as they birth, so church, their church was never meant to be surrounded by an event. It was never, when, they, when the 3,000 people came on that day of Pentecost, it was not centered around like, okay, not that it's bad to have a church and a mega church or whatever, but they weren't like, all right, let's gather 3,000 people and let's try and keep them in this, you know, in this building and, and, and we're going to do a weekly whatever. No, they, they pursued relationship with one another. When the, when the people came, it was, it was birthed out of relationship. It was birthed out of, we're doing this life together. And so I kind of want to paint that picture of, Church was never meant to be an event, but it was designed to be a community of people that are doing life together. And again, so, so for us, for here, here at Anchor Church, church was never meant to be an event, but it was designed to be a community of people knowing God together, finding freedom together, discovering our purpose together, and making a difference together. And as we pursue that together, as you guys pursue that together, you'll see that the doors will be open for others to experience the eternal blessing and the gift of life. And so the question, as I kind of pass it on, the question of, of um, you know, the questions that I always ask is, um, are people coming out of a community, um, let's say, for instance, okay, because uh, this is a, a pretty big one, but the LG, um, L, LGBT community. So, even though it's, in many cases, you know, it may not be the best, but they have a tight community. Like, they support one another. And if Jesus calls somebody out of that community, and they're set free from that lifestyle, and they come into church, the question is, is that person, is that individual, are they coming into a life-giving community and being embraced by people that are going to walk through life with them? Are they coming into a setting where, you know, it's a group of isolated individuals or a group of like one or two or families and you're kind of, you know, you come for yourself and, and you're coming or you're connecting with your one or two people and there's no room for more. And, you know, it's this, it's this setting where, where we're believing for the lost to come, amen? Like we're believing for people to find Jesus, and knowing that people are coming out of dark communities into what's supposed to be a community of light. And so, in our purpose and our pursuit is understanding that community, again, it goes beyond ourself. We can't be selfish and be in community. Like, it doesn't work that way. You can't be a part of a family and be selfish. Um, but as that takes place more and more, that's the question I think we should be asking continually is, what does that look like for me? Because if your answer is, yes, I want people to come into a community of light, then you are a part of that answer. You are a part of seeing that happen. And so knowing that whatever that looks like for you, I just encourage, um, encourage you guys to take that step. Ask the Lord, you know, what does that look like for me? I can't tell you. He can't tell you. He might be able to provide some ideas, but what does that look like for me? Because at the end of the day, each and every single one of you are a part of seeing that take place and seeing God's design of church take place. And knowing that when church is centered around community, it's impossible for it to be self-centered. It's impossible for it to be cliquish. It's impossible for it to be... Um, like, a, like the selfish culture, when it's surrounded and based on community, pursuing relationship with one another and saying, I'm not here just for me, but I'm here for us. Then I believe that picture of what God intended the church to be, um, that blessing of eternal life for you and for others um, will begin to be seen in, in incredible ways. So I transition it off to this beautiful lady. So, just like he was saying, in, in community, um, in true community, it's impossible for us, if we're going to do it the right way, it's impossible for us to be selfish. Um, there's plenty of opportunities for it, <laughs> um, but, um, or maybe just me, but 
God calls us to be selfless because he's selfless. And we're called to be like him, right? We're his, we're his picture of, we're the picture of who he is to this world, to each other, um, not just to the lost, but also to one another. And um, God is a generous God, very generous. And he calls us to be the same. So point number two is giving. And I get the fun one um, because I know for a lot of people when um, you say giving, it can be a really rough topic because there's been abuse in the past with giving or they've seen things done wrong, but done the right way, right? Giving is another yes that opens up the door to blessing in our life. And just like what we were reading in the word, like opening up to make available for God to come in and rebuke the enemy on our behalf and opening up for blessings to flow into our life and for health to be there. So God's way is not an abusive way because he's not an abusive father. He's a good, good father. So giving can, yeah, go ahead, sing it. (laughs) All right. Um, You'll find I'll kind of just say whatever pops in my head, and I figured he was, you know, doing something. Also, um, I have a newborn, so if I say something that doesn't make sense whatsoever, just smile and nod, you know. All right. So people can tend to get stiff, you know, like, here it comes again. Um, But like I said, giving is such a blessing. Um, And it's not just a blessing for us, but it's a blessing for others as well. It's an opportunity to partner with God and what he is doing and what he wants to do, not only in church, but in your life personally. So giving, like, yes, it's about God opening up the doors and being able to bless us personally, but giving is also opening up the doors to see him be able to bless the body and bless others. And I feel like a big reason that um, we can tend to have such a hard time with giving is because we can have a hard time with trusting. Trust has been one of the very big, big areas in my life where I had to realize like, oh, hmm, maybe I didn't really fully trust God. Like it's really easy to say something, but then to do it, especially when things are really hard or don't make sense, to still trust, like blindly trust that God is who he says he is and is going to do what he says he's going to do. That can, be, that can be hard. Anybody else? That can be hard. So I feel like with, with giving, where it can get tricky is that um, we have a hard time trusting. And we can have a hard time trusting because we don't truly know. And when God says to know, like to know the love of God that goes beyond understanding, that doesn't just mean in my mind. Otherwise, he wouldn't say beyond understanding, right? To know the love of God that goes beyond my understanding. So that knowing really means to experience for yourself so it becomes a truth. So knowing that God is trustworthy and that he is good and that he's going to do what he says he's going to do is not just like, well, I know he's trustworthy because it says that in the word, but it's I know he's trustworthy because I've put that to the test because I've seen in my life, I've experienced for myself that it's a truth. So... For me, (laughs) with giving, one of the first times that I heard um, a a message about giving, um, I heard it the wrong way. And um, what I mean by that is, I I don't know, maybe like five, six or something like that. And I was in the sanctuary, the big church, um, (laughs) and my dad's pastor, and he was up there and, and, and must have been about tithe, and he was like, and God's gonna meet your needs. Well, my five or six-year-old brain heard, and God's gonna eat your knees. I was like, why? (laughs) And I was so distraught by that, (laughs) that I went home. I mean, I missed out. I don't even know what he said the rest of the time. I, I mean, I probably wouldn't be able to tell you anyways because that many years ago. But <laughs> I got home, and I went into my parents' bathroom, and I closed the door. And I sat down, and I stretched my legs out in front of me, and I was looking at my knees. And I was thinking about how much I like my knees and how much I use my knees. And, and I think in my brain, I was thinking, so when we get to heaven, that's the first thing he's going to do. And I'm trying to picture him, like, eating knees. I mean, I have a pretty wild imagination, guys, so it was really graphic. And I've got my legs stretched out. It's disgusting. And I'm looking, and I begin sobbing, okay, sobbing in the bathroom. Ah! 
And so my mom eventually hears me, and she comes in. She's like, "What's what's the matter? What what's going on? What happened? Are you hurt?" And I was like, "Why does God want to eat my knees?" And she was like, "What?" <laughs> No. And so, anyways, after a little bit of a conversation there, we backtracked and got it to, no, it's meet your needs that God's going to provide. He's going to be there. He's going to bless you. And so, yeah, that sounded a lot better. Um, (laughs) Well, as silly as this story is, um, we can tend to misunderstand God's word. Okay, um, we can hear something, we can read something, um, or, or even somebody misconstrues it for us. Uh, we can tend to misunderstand God's word and lock ourselves and our resources away out of fear because we don't really know, have experienced the Father. And it's easy not to trust someone that you don't know. You know, stranger danger. So <laughs> it's been ingrained. Stranger danger. <laughs> So it's easy not to trust someone that you don't know, that you haven't experienced as good, as safe. Um, But God is good, and he is safe, and he wants you to experience that, that, that he is good, and that he is safe, and that he is loving, and that he is generous, and he's a man of his word, because he is the word, so kind of hard not to. So I want to look at this scripture to talk about who is he, because we're saying it's it's hard to trust someone that you don't know, right? So who is he? He's generous, and he is generous because he is love. So pause real quick because I'm saying is because love is not something that just God does, right? It's him. It's who he is, so it's impossible for him not to love you. Like he can't, even if he was like, wow, they were really mean today. No, he, he, he has to. He has to. It's just who he is. He can't contain it. He can't help it. Um, even if all you did for the rest of your life is sit on your hands and breathe, he would love you just as much as the missionary who went and gave his life on the mission field. So the love there doesn't change, you know. So God is generous because he is love. So let's look at John three sixteen. Yeah. Like, you know, everybody knows that one. Okay, John 3.16, but let's pretend it's for the first time and look at this. For this is how God loved the world. This is New Living Translation. He gave his one and only son that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. So that first part is what I really want to hone in on. For this is how God loved the world. This is how he loves us. He gave how God loved the world, how God loves us, is he gave. He gave himself fully to us without holding back because he loves us. We were worth it to him. And God gave without a promise of a return on his investment. Okay, because that means, you're like, what do, what do you mean? Like, we, he was able to, you know, punch death in the face and <laughs> give us life. And, but there are those that he died for that will never come into relationship with him. So he gave, he fully invested without a guarantee on that return. So we, on the other hand, have a promise of a return. So that's how good he is. He's like, I'm going to give fully, even if you give me nothing. And he's asking us to give fully with a promise of a full return and even more so. Because that's how good he is. That's how generous he is. Luke 6, 38 says, Give, and you will receive your gift. And you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full. So we have a guarantee when we give. God's going to give right back. And he didn't have to do that. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together, to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount that you give will determine the amount that you give back. So also, if there's lack going on, and not that there's times to say like, okay, if I give, then there's always going to be, you know, an abundance in my bank account. Sometimes the, the way that God is giving, giving back to us is not, only, is not always just in dollar signs, Okay giving back to us in health, um, giving back to us just in relationships, sending somebody into your life. Like there's, there's tons of ways that God loves to bless us and he's always looking for new ways to do it. You know, like, ah, how can I surprise them now? The first time that 
I was really like on my own and was like, okay, I'm, ge- I'm going to give God. Because um, I w- before I was putting up a bunch of IOUs, literally IOUs on sticky notes. And I heard somebody else tell me that. And I was like, oh, good. I'm not the only one. And so <laughs> I grew up pastor's kid. And still, I, so when I finally got like my, my real like own money, you know, not really mine, but so I was getting that and, and going to do my tithe and something would come up and it wasn't always like a bill. This could be like, I wanted to go do something fun. And so I would write like, I owe you, you know, $50 on a sticky note and put it in this jar. And I'm sure God was laughing like, no, (laughs) you know, (laughs) what if I did that to you? You know, um, so scary. So please don't. Anyways, like I said, I just say whatever comes in my head. Okay. So I was writing these sticky notes, and I decided, like, okay, enough of this. I'm going to start, like, giving to God and applying these principles and, and wanting to see God's blessing in my own life, not just in my parents. And so I did that, and I went to a hotel with my cousins. They were in town visiting, and I really wanted to go to this water park with them, okay? So this might seem silly, but this is where I was at and how God was like, I know what's in your heart, and I'd like to bless you. Okay, so I get there, and it was going to be like 50 bucks to get in, and I didn't have 50 bucks. And so they were like, well, you know, um, we'll just go ahead since you have family here and give you the free ticket and let you go in, okay? My tithe wasn't. $50, okay, that I had given. But to me, I was like, oh, it worked. (laughs) Like, the water park experience was really important to me at that moment, okay? And I wanted to go, and I didn't have a way. And God provided, okay, through this lady. So just that story might seem kind of silly to you, but to say, you know, God, God sees where you're at. He knows your heart and he loves to bless you. And so it might come in the form of a water park ticket because that's what was important to me at that time. Or it might be, you know, restoration in a relationship or that healing coming to pass. But, but God loves to give and he gives out of love and he's a cheerful giver always. So when the father gives to us, he gives out of love, and he gave out of wanting relationship. That's why he gave his son, right? That's why Jesus went to the cross, out of wanting relationship. And once we step into that relationship with Jesus, we give out of it. Okay, so God gave wanting relationship, and when we say yes to it, we begin to give out of relationship. And that's how we can become a cheerful giver. It's not out of obligation, but relationship, okay? It's like, uh, wait, you, you talked about sex a few weeks ago or something, <laughs> right? Yeah. We did? Okay. So um, you don't want to be in a married relationship and not be out of obligation, right? That would stink. Um, <laughs> you want it to be out of relationship and out of love. And so it's the same thing when we're giving to God. It's an act of worship. It's love. It's a yes to, yes, it's a sacrifice, um, but we're being like Jesus, and that's the goal. So God saw value in us, so he gave without hesitation. And he sees value in you still, so he gives to you without hesitation. So we have to ask ourselves, do we see value in God's kingdom? Do we see value in the church? Do we see value in each other? Because we're going to give where we see value. Are we willing to say no to fear, to no to selfishness, and yes to love? Yes to giving like the Father gave. Yes to trusting in his word and who he is. Yes to obeying his commandment to give so that he can say yes to blessing us. So, it's not scary. It's good. (laughs) All right. Well, there you go. I'm just going to try and wrap all this up real quick um, because I know we're, we're, we're hungry and ready to go. I mean, we're all human, so. <laughs> so just like what Candace and Josiah were saying, basically the, the whole of that, whenever we're looking at being in church and being a part of a church family, giving and being a part of the family is that whole thing of what Josiah was saying. Of It's not about us. It's about the whole. It's about everybody. And realizing that, We, as people who are a part of a church family, true maturity happens whenever we realize that we're not there just to receive, but we're there to give. Because, you know, Candace was talking about the financial part of giving, but 
giving is so much more than just financial. Giving is your time. Giving is your love. Giving is uh, when you know that you have to be somewhere, but someone's standing there crying, and and you just need to give them like a, a couple more seconds, right? Or giving is um, giving of your emotions and giving of your feelings and giving of... There's so many things that you can give from so that you can add to the family that you're a part of. You know, right now, my, you know, uh, Candace has her son over there who's just about two months old and I have my son that's just about two months old. And he is not capable of doing anything but receiving. He receives food from his mom. He receives diaper changes from his mom and every now and again me. And, uh, bless God. And, um, and he, you know, he's, he receives us putting him down to go to sleep at night. He receives love from us. He receives songs. He can't give any of that back to us. Why? Because he's a baby. And, but as I grew up in my father's house, I went from being in a place where I could only receive to being able to give. I went from only being able to receive to being able to add to the family that I was a part of. Because that's what happens in maturity in a family. Uh, whenever a son is born, he can't give. But whenever he grows up, he becomes a part of giving. You know, uh, Pastor Quentin was talking a little bit about our relationship with him. When I was 14 years old, going into intern with him, I was not adding anything to him. I was actually taking a lot away um, because I was a knucklehead. And a real, y'all are laughing. Y'all have no idea what this man went through with me. I mean, I was an absolute knucklehead, but now I'm in a relationship with him where I'm at a point where I not only receive from him, but I actually am able to give to him. And I, I can say that confidently because he's, you know, he said it to you today in front of you. How, how did that happen is I matured into a place of saying, Hey, I'm, I'm going to serve you as well. Instead of you just serving me, I'm going to be a part of the family by giving of everything that I have, you know, because whenever, if we stay a baby, then we're not acting like Jesus. You know, Jesus said in Mark 10, 45, it's going to pop up on the screen there, the son, so family, right? The son of man did not come into the world to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. So Jesus, the perfect image of what it is like to be in a family, came into the world as the only person that's ever deserved more than anybody else to be served, right? He's the king of kings, the Lord of lords. He's the one, he, he deserved worship from the moment that he got on the planet. He deser- and he received some of that, but, but it says here that he came into the world not just to be served, but to serve and to give his life, Right, what Candace was talking about. He, he came to give his life. And so whenever we become a part of the family of God, we, the sons of God, must come into this family not to just be served, but to serve. Not to just come into the kitchen and get the food that we deserve out of the refrigerator, but to clean up the mess when we're done eating too. Not to just come into the church body and get and get and get and get and never give back to the person that's sitting next to us. Well, because, you know, next Sunday it's probably going to be really sunny and I don't need to go into church because, uh, because I'd much rather go to the park with my family. And, and, you know, the church doesn't need me because they have Pastor Quentin and they have the worship team. And that's not true. The person next to you needs you. The person next to you needs you to be committed. The person next to you needs you to mature, not, 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 not just to be a, a baby sitting in the seat saying, feed me, feed me, feed me, feed me. But that in return, whenever you digest the stuff that Pastor Quentin is preaching in this place, that you would be able to turn around to the people around you and develop that inside of them as well. Because that's what it's about. It's, about, it's not about me it's about us. It's about giving. It's about adding to one another. It's about, it's about loving one another. You know, that's the most important thing. And that's why the Apostle Paul, and I'm going to close with this. How do we, so how do we accomplish being a part of family? And how do we accomplish giving? We got to be humble. It says in Philippians 2, verse 5, starting in verse 5, and um, this is out of the Passion Translation, which is a really good translation if you 
want to get it. It's on Bible Gateway and all that stuff now. So pretty cool. Um, It says, consider the example that Jesus, the anointed one, has set before us. Let his mindset become your motivation. He existed in the form of God, yet he gave no thought to seizing equality with God. Boy, there's some people in the church that need to give up seizing equality with God. (laughs) That's a different message. I'll tell you what. Give, uh, he, he gave no thought to seizing equality with God as his supreme prize. Instead, he emptied himself of his outward glory by reducing himself to the form of a lowly servant. He became human. He humbled himself and became vulnerable, choosing to be revealed as a man and was obedient. He humbled himself. If we're going to be a part of a family, if we're going to do church God's way, And if we're going to be givers and not just receivers inside of this building and outside of this building, we got to humble ourselves. We got to say, I look like God, but I am not God. I I look like my father, but I'm not the father. I'm just another son in the house, and I'm going to do my part. Even though I have rights, I also have responsibilities. Right? Even though, even though I deserve to sit in this place and receive, I'm going to move past that into giving. I'm going to move past that into adding to the person that's sitting next to me. That's what, that's what doing life together is all about. Adding to one another every single day. And then what happens, just what it talked about in Acts 2, then we're going to be added to in this place with people with more people that need to hear the message of Jesus Christ, with more people that need to walk into this room and see your smiling face because they've never felt the love of the Father before. You are the express image of God, but you're a part of that. All of us together, we look like the full image of God. We're the body. We're, knit. We're vitally joined together. Okay, so let's humble ourselves. Let's humble ourselves and let's serve one another. Let's give to one another. Let's, let's not just give in, in the offering, even though we should, right? Let's, let's give in every single possible way that we can find to give. Let's be a part of this family in every single way that we can possibly find to be a part of this family. Let's not just be babies saying, feed me, feed me, feed me, but feed me, feed me, feed me, right? <laughs> Let's be able to add to the person that's sitting next to us, right? Let's humble ourselves and do that. All right, so I'm just going to pray over us, and then I'm going to pass it off to somebody. <laughs> Lord Jesus, help. We need you. We need you to teach us how to be humble. We need you to teach us how to be a part of this family. We need you to teach us how to give in every single possible way that we can give. So this morning, we ask for an increase of humility. And in God, uh, I just want to pray that dangerous prayer of saying, in whatever way you need to humble us, humble us. Whatever you need to heal, whatever you need to burn out, whatever you need to build up or, or, or tear out, God, do it. Show us as we go about this week, and as we walk in our lives and as we're around the people that are, that are around us, show us how we need to be humbled so we can be one with this beautiful family at Anchor Church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for encouragement in your walk with God and to receive updates on events happening at The Anchor. Have a great week and God bless.